With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast. Hour three. Breaking news. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Breaking news. The Federal Reserve on Wednesday has agreed to hold interest rates steady. No increase. No increase despite inflation being above the central bank's target. The Fed's rate-setting group unanimously agreed to keep the federal funds rate and the target range between 5.25% and 5.5%. It's been there since July. This is the second consecutive meeting there the Open Markets Committee chose to hold instead of increasing the interest rate after 11 straight hikes for in 2023. The decision included an upgrade to the committee's general assessment of the economy. The post-meeting statement indicated that economic activity expanded at a strong pace in the third quarter compared to the September statement that said the economy had expanded at a solid pace. The statement noted that employment gains have moderated since earlier in the year but remain strong. Gross domestic product expanded at a 4.9% annualized rate in the quarter, stronger than even elevated expectations. Non-farm payroll growth totaled 336000 in September, well ahead of the Wall Street outlook. There were few other changes in the statement other than a notation that both financial and credit conditions had tightened. The addition of financial to the phrase followed a surge in Treasury yields that has caused concern on Wall Street. The statement continued to note the committee is still determining the extent of additional policy firming that it may need to achieve its goals. So to recap the breaking news, the Federal Reserve has decided not to raise interest rates. A lot of people expected they might. Uh, But they say, although inflation is still above the Fed target of 2%, and they do see the economy performing strongly, they're not going to raise rates right now. They may still raise rates in the future. There's no expectation of lowering rates, and the economy is strong. There's an article in the Wall Street Journal I mentioned earlier about the economy as well. And the headline in the Wall Street Journal is essentially, why do people feel so terrible when the economy is doing so well? The economy is great. Why are Americans in such a rotten mood? It's from Greg Ip. Lingering inflation can't explain all the unhappiness. Maybe it is referred pain from the wider world. Oh, good grief. If the economy is doing so good, why are Americans so gloomy? Confidence readings are depressing. 69% of respondents to a Wall Street Journal survey in August said the country's headed in the wrong direction. President Biden's approval ratings are mired around or below 40%, and approval for his handling of the economy is even lower. 
The most popular explanation for this dichotomy is that good feelings about jobs are more than offset by high inflation. There's a lot of evidence for this, but it's still not the entirely satisfying answer. There are two long-standing surveys of consumer sentiment. The index produced by the Conference Board, a business research group, incorporates attitude about the labor market, but not inflation. And this index remains well above its lows from 2008 to 2001, those recessions, no dichotomy there. By contrast, the University of Michigan sentiment index is at recession-like levels. It appears to be more sensitive to inflation, in part because it asks people if they are financially worse off, and recently 40% of those feeling worse off blame inflation. But can inflation be the whole story? After all, since peaking at 9.1% in June last year, based on the Consumer Price Index, inflation has fallen to 3.7%. Some gauges put underlying inflation at 3%. The Federal Reserve thinks it's gradually headed to 2%, relieving it of any need to raise interest rates. And yet, sentiment is up only moderately since inflation began falling. Just because inflation is falling, and this gets missed by so many people, inflation is falling, but it doesn't mean prices are going down. It's just the rate of inflation is slowing. So prices are still going up. They're just not going up as much. This shouldn't be hard for anyone to understand. Wages have not gone up to the extent inflation has gone up. So people are struggling more. People are giving less. This is this is something that, that Greg gets at. Uh, for a long time, wages were lagging behind inflation, but not anymore. Median weekly wages are slightly higher now, adjusted for inflation, than at the end of 2019. They haven't grown as they did in the years before the pandemic, but other things should have compensated for that. Workers are getting more time off and more flexibility, which is why the conference board finds job satisfaction as high. Federal pandemic relief means household finances are stronger even now than before the pandemic. Meanwhile, high housing and stock prices lifted the median household's wealth by 37%. Part of the problem is that in inflationary periods, both prices and wages rise, but people dwell more on the prices and fuel worse off. Moreover, while the Federal Reserve targets inflation, consumers care about the absolute level of prices and are bothered they remain so much higher than a few years ago. Yes! This isn't rocket science. You can tell Americans that the economy is doing great, but they don't feel it. When Democrats are in the White House, the media and the Democrats collaborate together to tell you people you should be grateful. Everything is good. Be thankful. Be grateful. Be happy. When Republicans are in the White House, it doesn't matter how good the economy is. The media and the Democrats want you to know it's still not good enough for some. You may be feeling good about yourself, but you jerk, there's some poor dude in the sewer over there whose life sucks and it's all the Republicans' fault and you should hate them for it. When your own life sucks and the Democrats are in charge, they want you to be grateful that it's just not nearly as bad as it could be. People feel this. I'm the grocery shopper in my house. I am the grocery shopper. My wife, she doesn't like crowds to begin with. And after COVID and with her cancer, she just doesn't want to be in the grocery store. 
she instant carts stuff, and I try to get her not to because I'd rather save the money and go do it myself. And frankly, most instant cart shoppers, they're not going to look for the best tomato or the best apple. They're just going to get you the apple and the tomato. I'd rather go find my own produce and the like. It's expensive. I was going to the grocery store, I mean, just six months ago, buying groceries, and and the price has gone up. I buy less stuff, and I'm paying more. You see it with the eggs, and you see it with the milk, and you see it with the meat, and you see it with the produce, and you see it with all the stuff in between. It's gotten expensive. Gas is expensive. Gas is cheaper now than it was last month, but it's still expensive. I'm the grocery shopper in my house. And I'm the guy who drives to work. My wife stays home with the kids. I I see it in real time. I see it buying the groceries. You know, my, my, my friend Rush Limbaugh, God rest his soul, told me one time the thing that he missed the most about being super famous was being able to go to the grocery store. He couldn't do it anymore. I don't intend to give it up. I get recognized at the grocery store. Nothing to the extent he did. I don't have a security team with me. I don't feel like I need one. But every time I go to the grocery store, someone wants to chat. And the bag boy, the cashier, the people who work in the grocery store, they see it just like the rest of us see it, that things are expensive now. At my local grocery store, the cashier now is way more mindful of remembering there's a coupon in the book this week. Let me, let me scan the coupon for you to save you some money. She does that with everybody. People don't feel like the economy is good. And frankly, they resent you when you tell them the economy is doing so good. There's also, I have found, this looming feeling among people that something wicked this way come. There's something coming. Something bad is coming. Whether it's war or recession, something's coming. The Fed is improving its outlook on the economy. But I got to tell you, I talked to a lot of nonprofits, and the nonprofits say this is recessionary giving time, that uh, a lot of people are holding back their money. When when the times are good, people are generous. And when the times are hard, people aren't. And people are not being generous right now. And that suggests something. You know, I I mentioned this the other day, that last week, I guess, that strippers and nonprofits are the first groups that feel the economic pinch. I don't know any strippers, but I know a lot of people who are in nonprofits, and they're telling me that the rich guys who give the money and the businesses that give the money, they're they're slowed their giving. The the pace maybe maybe the check will come, but usually the check comes now, and it's not. That tends to be a sign that we're headed into some recessionary period. That people feel it, and the government metrics don't. But people do feel it. Wages have gone up. Yes, it's true. Incomes have gone up, but they haven't gone up to keep up with the, with the inflation. When inflation was going up at 9% and then it was going up at 3%, it went up 9% and then went up 3% more. It didn't go from 9% to 3%. The, the price did not go up and then down. The price kept going up. It just didn't go up as much. And wages have struggled to keep up for most people. But if you live in coastal enclaves of elite progressives or work in the media, you're probably not feeling it. You're probably getting paid a good salary. It's the middle class working two jobs to make ends meet, trying to get their kids through school. They're the ones struggling. 
And a lot of moms and dads decided they had to pull their kids out of public schools because though the public schools were free to go to, they were screwing up their kids' brains. So they had to homeschool or they had to pay for private school because the functions of government do not function inside too many public schools. Parents are having to actually shell out more money, which hits hits their cost of living, which drives up their costs, which drives down their ability to spend money, which puts added pressure on the family. But they've got to do it for their kids, and the government treats them like garbage for it. The cost of living has gone up. Prices have gone up. Listener Chris just emailed me this If the economy is so good, why are builders offering buyers interest rate buy-down so they can afford their homes? It's like an arm, adjustable rate mortgage. We're going to see so many foreclosures in the future. So buyers can barely afford a home, so they are giving been given a teaser rate. They go buy a new car, then load their home with finance furniture from rooms to go, so there's more in payment. The foreclosure crisis, we're going to have it all over again. It's He's, he's right. You can't afford a home. People can't afford a home. We've turned a nation of homeowners. The American dream was tied to homeownership. Uh, they're now a nation of renters because you can't afford a house because uh, nobody wants to build houses anymore. It's too expensive. And in some communities, the local good NIMBY progressives don't want houses in their backyard anymore. So there's no affordable housing. I don't understand why this is so hard for the Democrats and the media to get. It's real easy for them when there's an R next to the name of the president, but it becomes mind-numbingly obfuscated when the president is a Democrat. The media's like, I don't understand. Why aren't people happy with the economy? They're not happy with the economy because the metrics the government uses to tell the government it's okay, tell the government it's okay, but the metrics you and I use suck. The price of eggs, the price of milk, the price of private school tuition, the price of meat, the price of gas, the price of new homes, the price of new cars, the price of used cars, the price of used homes, the the, the price of everything has gone up. Inflation has gone up, and they treat it as if when the inflation rate goes down that prices have gone down. No, it's just slowed the rate of the growth of increase in price. And the government tells you you're all hunky-dory. Do any of you really feel that way? It's it's not that there's, there's impending doom. It's not that there's a war coming. It's not any of this stuff. It's that every single day you get up and you think, why does my bank account have so much less money in it? What's going on? And then you realize, well, my God, I got kids and they drink gallons of milk a week and eat a bunch of eggs and that's gotten expensive. We can't take a vacation this year. Have you seen what the price of a plane ticket is? It's gotten too expensive to enjoy life. People are just trying to get through it. And meanwhile, the government's telling them, be happy. Everything's great. Do you feel it? No, you don't. A friend of mine uh, just texted me, said that uh, he owns a, an inn. It's really, really nice in Oprah Winfrey stayed there. Uh, he says, um, business was down 16% compared to last October. Travel is always an excellent indicator of economic conditions. It is. It's expensive to travel, y'all. It's expensive to fly anywhere. It's. I mean, it's expensive to rent a car. Uh, we're going to my my parents this weekend. It's my dad's, well, as he puts it, the 45th anniversary of his 40th birthday. And he, he, he we're happy to go, but uh, I'm using points. I got a lot of Delta Sky Miles, and we're going that way. But flights are expensive. Um, 
By the way, uh, happening right now, um, this is the first major new ad buy in Iowa, and it's the Ron DeSantis campaign that is running it. Want to hear it? I've got it. While Biden fails, DeSantis leads. The DeSantis administration has launched an evacuation. Safely evacuated hundreds of stranded Americans out of Israel. After a catastrophic hurricane, they said it would take over six months. But DeSantis got people back in their homes and rebuilt bridges in just days. And DeSantis deployed troops to the southern border to stop the invasion. Ron DeSantis, he will fight for you. He will win for us. And he will lead America's comeback. I'm Ron DeSantis, and I approve this message. That's Ron DeSantis' new ad buy. Uh, it starts tomorrow, $320,000 ad buy. He's got a reserved ad buy of $2.3 million for it. Um, finally getting some ads up to tell people about himself. The airwaves starting to get crowded in Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. Um, we'll see how it goes. I, I'm increasingly uh, mindful of the fact that uh, these other candidates, unless more of them get out and can shake up the race that way, it's, it's stagnant. It benefits Trump. I think more and more Republicans are recognizing Trump will probably be the nominee, and we may just have to go through Biden Trump all over again. Um, and if he loses, they'll just believe it's stolen again. And, and in four years, we'll go through uh, Trump versus Harris or something like that, I guess. I don't know. Um, Going to spend a whole lot of money to try to get him to the White House and cost us the Senate. But we'll see. Maybe things will change. Events change things. Events change things. Now, Americans for Prosperity is trying to change things against Bidenomics because the economy doesn't feel good. Despite everybody saying the economy is good, the economy is not good. And Americans for Prosperity wants to provide not just complaints, but solutions on how to rev up the economy, how to get Americans back to work, how to get people feeling like the economy is doing better. And part of that is helping small businesses and families. They believe in families. They believe in small business. They believe in freedom. They believe in limited government. They want you on their side. All you have to do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. You go there, you sign up, you become one of over 4 million activists around the country committed to fighting for free markets and free people for limited government. They teach you how to be a more informed activist. They teach you how to explain why Bidenomics is not working, why it's making people recognize the economy is not doing well. Americans for Prosperity makes you a more effective conservative activist. All you have to do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Sign up now with Americans for Prosperity and fight for free markets and free people. Hello there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I, I, oh, hang on a second. Hang on. Um, I meant to pull this up. Yes, this is it. I... I just want to, I, w- I want to complain about something. I, you know, people always tell me rants, rants, rants. Um, I, no, is this, no, this isn't it. Um, hang on. She, where's the story? Oh yeah. Nope. This is it. This is it. This is it. This is a story at the Washington post. This is the headline. Fall's favorite spice blend has a violent history. Mm-hmm. The invaders struck the island from three sides simultaneously. 
the Dutch fleet of 1,655 soldiers and sailors and more than a dozen wooden ships landed at the Banda Islands, an archipelago located in modern-day Indonesia in 1621. It was the most powerful military campaign the Dutch East India Company had sent to Asia thus far. After a swift Bandanese surrender, the victors rounded up local leaders. They signed treaties that turned the Bandanese into Dutch subjects, then tortured them for confessions, revealing alleged plots to attack the Dutch. Thousands were killed, others enslaved, and many who fled to the mountains were starved out. The population of around 15,000 Bandanese was decimated to just a few hundred in a few months, says Adam Klulal, a historian and professor at the University of Texas at Austin. The Dutch company was later accused of carrying out what some described as the first instance of corporate genocide, all for nutmeg. One of the three key spices in the blend known as pumpkin spice grew nowhere else in the world. It was considered a miraculous substance rumored to cure the plague, make consumers more beautiful, sharpen their memory, and calm the mind. Now, this is history, but it's also history at a real, uh, real um, propagandistic uh, decolonization uh, scheme um, that, that somehow th this is all terrible. It, you know, the, the problem here is that the decolonization nonsense that runs rampant in college campuses and at the Washington Post where they're laying off 100 people, but not the people who think that propagating the decolonization propaganda is a thing. Here's the problem is, you know, these people were ruthless too. The Bandanese did not have clean hands. They also fought and killed people. Why is it that only the white guys are to blame? You know, the Palestinians, I, I, now, this is going to shock some of you. But in the Israeli-Palestinian situation, it's actually the Palestinians who are the occupiers, and it is the Israelis who are the occupied. I know your precious progressive history tells you otherwise, but the actual real history of the world is that this was the Israelite land. They became the Jews, and they were purged from the area, and the occupiers who took the land from them at the behest of the Roman Empire were called the Palestinians. They were actually a bunch of separate tribes that moved in, ultimately converted to Islam under Muhammad, and took over the land from the Israelites who were pushed out. The Jews are the occupied, the Palestinians are the occupier. However, because of the stupidity among college campuses, it is determined that the darker-skinned people are always presumed the occupied and the lighter-skinned people the occupier. So pay no attention to the fact that so often in so many places, the people who were conquered by the Europeans were savages who engaged in slavery and other barbarism. They're always considered the poor little occupied people. Some of them needed to be occupied by a Western civilization that forced them into civilization from savagery and slave trading. But my gosh, you're not allowed to say that these days, even though it's true.
Now, I got to say something else. Um, hang on. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, my computer is all of a sudden glitching on me a second. There, there we go. I've danced around this for a little bit, and I just want to be very explicit with you. I'm starting to get a pet peeve of people talking about Hamas and what they've done and their animals. A cat, when it catches a bird or a mouse, it may play with that bird or that mouse a little bit. But when it kills it, the killing is swift. A bear, a lion, a shark, a python, an alligator, a crocodile. It goes straight to death with its prey. The lioness, the jaguar, they're going to go straight for the jugular. So too the tiger. The snake is going to bite and inject a venom that's going to kill as quickly as possible. The python is going to wrap and squeeze to kill you as quickly as possible. The shark is going to take a big gulp. The alligator and the crocodile are going to bite, hold on, twist your body and drag you under and drown you as quickly as possible and then consume you. The bear is going to go for the jugular. The animals, when they go for the kill, they go for the kill. Hamas did not. Hamas tortured. They cut. They slow-walked death because they're not animals. They're monsters. We fear the monster. We fear the thing that goes bump in the night because the thing that goes bump in the night, it means you harm. An animal doesn't mean you harm. An animal's just hungry and sees you as food. Hamas means harm for you and for me and for everyone else. Hamas operatives and Hezbollah operatives may have come across our southern border. The FBI is now warning we may see attacks in this country. When they come and when they attack in this country, because they want to kill as many as possible, they may move swiftly and quickly. But in Israel, they didn't. They went slowly and deliberately, painfully. They tortured people. They're not animals. They're monsters. And if not monsters, they're demons. They're on the side of the devil himself. Because if they were on the side of God, And they killed, they would kill swiftly. You know, when you you study the Old Testament, I was explaining this one to my wife, that uh, when God pronounces judgment on so many nations, 
He's not judging people for killing people because he told the Israelites to kill people. But when he told the Israelites to kill people, you, you kill them swiftly. You, you, you get rid of them. You don't torture them. You don't disembowel them. You don't chop off little pieces of them over time. You just kill them. Humanely kill them, swiftly kill them. It was the monstrous people. It was the Edomites and the Amalekites and uh, the Assyrians who enjoyed the killing and made it slow and painful. Separated God's people from other people. And the slow, torturous deaths, animals don't do that. We should not be calling Hamas animals because they're not animals. Animals kill for food. Hamas killed for the pleasure of it. Hamas killed for the pleasure of killing Jews. So when you see these kids marching on college campuses, chanting river to sea, Palestine will be free, they're calling for the extermination of the Jewish people and the Jewish state. The river is the Jordan River, the sea is the Mediterranean Sea. A Palestine from river to sea is a Palestine that exists in the absence of the Jewish state. That's what's going on here. It's really important for you to recognize the fact that these are monsters. That these are demons, that these are evil people. Evil is so often an abstract until we're forced to confront it. I saw someone, he's a uh, progressive, liberal, on social media. His name is, is David Lowry. He describes himself as, well, he described himself as liberal, not progressive. He lives in Atlanta. He, he follows me on social media. I don't know him. We've had pleasant interactions. But he's, he's a little bit um, offended by the people who haven't spoken up on what happened. And he, he writes this, Cormac McCarthy once noted, The wicked know that if the ill they do be of sufficient horror, that men will not speak of it, that men have just enough stomach for small evils, and only these will they oppose. And he writes, this observation holds true, especially within my own small corner of the world. There, numerous celebrities, both well-known and lesser-known, regularly express their passionate opinions on political matters, or as McCarthy put it, small evils. However, when confronted with real-life horrors of the Hamas terror attack, these voices fall strangely silent. It seems they lack the stomach to confront such atrocities, leaving a void that is filled by those who excuse or justify these horrors. The essence of our humanity lies in our capacity to hold both these thoughts without contradiction, the horror of Hamas and the desire for peace. The opposite force to our innate humanity is the voice that claims these two sentiments are in conflict or worse, deny that the initial horror ever occurred. These are flawed and misguided voices from individuals who deserve our sympathy as they've been captured by poisonous ideologies. Regrettably, I believe that the gyre is widening. The unleashed forces have a long and violent path ahead. These are monsters we're dealing with, Hamas. They're not animals. And these monsters, their PR people, went on television today and said they'll keep doing it over and over and over 
until the Jews are eliminated. The only way to stop it is to eliminate the monsters. It's going to get worse before it gets better, and there are going to be a lot of people who look at what happened and say, oh, Israel is radicalizing people against Israel. That was always going to be those people wanted to be radicalized to begin with. Israel will not exist if it doesn't respond. It's been said by someone else, and I can't remember who, but it's true. If all the Arabs, if Hamas tomorrow laid down its arms, there would be peace in the Middle East. If Israel laid down its arms, there would be no Israel. The wicked know that if the ill they do be of sufficient horror that men will not speak against it, that men have just enough stomach for small evils, and only these will they oppose. You've got to oppose the big evil, too, and you've got to recognize that calling these monsters animals does a disservice to the animal kingdom that kills for food. These people killed for the raw pleasure of killing Jews, and the students who march on the streets on college campuses of America and the professors who cheer them on do so to cheer on monsters. They've chosen the side of evil. So many of my progressive friends, and I do have progressive friends, They woke up to the horrors of October 7th, and now they live a daily horror realizing that so many people thought were their friends are actually on the side of evil. It will cause discombobulation and realignment. It will, because you shouldn't want to be on the side of evil. You certainly cheer it on, and too many of these people did. Now, we got to move on. I could talk about this all day because it just it bothers me greatly to see what's happening on these college campuses. And it bothers me even more that so many Republican legislatures could defund this stuff, defund these programs, and they need to, and they're being silent on it, and they need to speak up and start shutting this stuff down. Bring the financial pain, and you will see change. Regional banks, regional, I can't even speak, regional banks have had their credit downgraded. They're going to keep racking up profits. The Fed's going to hold interest rates where they are. They think the economy's improving, but the underlying fundamentals not necessarily showing that. Swiss America has been sounding the alarm about what's going on in the economy. With soaring interest rates, squeezing the economy, and banks teetering on collapse, Swiss America wants to educate you on ways to help protect your hard-earned assets now. You can go read their report, The Secret War on Cash. Your copy's free by calling or texting 800-289-2646. It's a war on cash. It includes digital forms of currency. It's spreading. Get the secret war on cash for free. Just mention my name, Eric Erickson. You call or text my name. Just call 800-289-2646 and mention me or text 800-289-2646. Mention Eric Erickson. You'll get this report for free. It's 800-289-2646. You can also go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. That's SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K. SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K or 800 800- 289-2646. Message and data rates apply. A video has come out of uh, Ibrahim Barmal, the editor of the Harvard Law Review, uh, assaulting an Israeli student during an anti-Israel protest on campus. The anti-Semitism is really something to see on these college campuses and so many so many of the worst offenders aren't even from the United States 
or our immigrant families into the United States from abroad who haven't assimilated into this country. I honestly, uh, of of all the, the things that I would have thought of that would be a problem in this country, right now anti-Semitism really isn't, wasn't at the top of my list. I mean, it really wasn't. I've got a lot of Jewish friends. Um, and and it, there there are occasional instances, and you had the shooting at a synagogue and stuff, but but nothing like this, nothing like this, where you've got I mean college students, good good white college students whose families used to go to the Episcopal Church before they went atheist, marching on college campuses, um, screaming death to the Jews and Palestine from river to sea. It it really is incredible to watch this stuff. It's like you turn on the lights and there are cockroaches everywhere. I mean, it's just, I'm, I really actually, I'm, I'm taken aback by it. I'm surprised by it. I didn't realize it was a thing. And what's so notable is that so many people on the left, including a lot of the very progressive Jewish people who are dealing with this, have spent so much time over the last number of years fretting about the rise of white supremacy and, and, um, anti-Semitism on the right. You had Paul Krugman in the New York times, who's still very silent on this issue, say that progressives need to stop worrying about anti-Semitism on the left. It's all on the right. That's what they need to worry about. Surprise, 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 surprise. You people were all in a coalition with a bunch of Nazis and didn't even know it. Um, and now they're marching on college campuses claiming they're not the Nazis when they're using all the Nazi slogans. I really am taken aback by it. Something's got to be done about it. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.